Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Dis and Tell early and ad-free. Find Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or in Apple Podcasts. Content warning, this episode includes adult language and sexual innuendo, as well as discussions of suicide. Sydney, I'm going to throw out a crazy concept for you. I can't wait. Have you ever heard of women in comedy? Hold on, what? (laughs) Did you even know they let them do that? Is that one of the epidemics that they're talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Before COVID, there was a raging epidemic of women in comedy. I'm assuming you've heard the phrase, women aren't funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but never from someone who I think has any authority on the matter. No, it's usually a failed male comedian who's just taking out his anger on someone else. But of course, there has always been great female comedians. Case in point, the subject of today's feud, or at least one half of today's feud, the late great... Joan Rivers. Mm. We are going to start today's episode with just a quick stop in public television. There was this PBS show called Pioneers of Television. Basically, they interview like all of these people who made TV what it is. They had on this particular episode someone that I hope we're all familiar with, Joan Rivers, the original queen of late night comedy. And perhaps more recently to younger audiences, the queen of the red carpet. I feel like Joan Rivers sort of popularized the who are you wearing? I think she did coin that phrase. And in full transparency, that is how I mostly know Joan from the red carpet, from her quips. I actually didn't know that she started out as a stand-up comedian. She did. She was a part of the comedy scene for a long time. So during this interview with Pioneers of Television, she's about 80 years old, but she's got as much energy and humor as she's ever had. Her eyebrows are contoured to perfection. She's got this insane crystal and diamond necklace on and the sassy pink blazer. She's cooler than you. She's cooler than me. She's cooler than all of us. Sure. Sure. (laughs) And she went through her time on the red carpet, taking shots at actresses like Angelina Jolie, Natalie Portman, and Tina Fey. Wait, she had like legit feuds from things she would say on the red carpet? You know, if you're sort of out there throwing out a bunch of unfiltered commentary on what people are wearing, then (laughs) perhaps you're going to get some blowback. There are a lot of people catching strays. But in any Joan Rivers interview, there's always one feud that the interviewer wants to hear about above everyone else. And that is her career-defining 1980s rift with the all-time great host of The Tonight Show, Johnny Carson. This is what Joan has to say about this feud. Carson was the most brilliant straight man ever. Ever. Nobody touches him. The most brilliant late night ever. But, uh, mean mean son of a bitch. What do you say to that concise summary of Johnny Carson by Joan Rivers? I think that describes a lot of people in this industry, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Very talented, but also very mean. 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 Mean son of a bitch. I can't do Joan (laughs) Rivers. But yeah, I mean, that is the question that we are asking today. How can Joan Rivers respect and hate someone in such equal measure? And it makes sense if you know the full story. 
From Wondery, I'm Matt Belisai. And I'm Sydney Battle. And this is Dis and Tell. You are so sweet, but you ain't innocent. Trying to bring me down, but I ain't listening. Talk behind my back, acting two-faced. Come a little closer, I'ma hit you with some real shape. Today's episode is a wild feud from the early days of late-night comedy. And let me tell you, I am a huge fan of Joan Rivers. Grew up watching Joan Rivers on the red carpet. Always knew her as this feisty, sassy woman. Like you, did not realize that she got her start in stand-up comedy and that she had to kind of put up with so much, even from the people who gave her a leg up in her career. And this is really the story of a spurned man sort of taking out his anger on a woman that he claims was his friend. Oh, God. Tale as old as time. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, that is the tagline of Hollywood. Spurned man will ruin your career. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, even though younger audiences perhaps may not know Joan Rivers, she was one of the comedians who actually inspired the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh. The showrunner based that character in part on Joan Rivers' early career. And, of course, Hacks on HBO Max, now Max, which stars Gene Smart, is about what it takes to stay in the game even when you're a legend. Her character is essentially a nod to a kind of Joan Rivers-like figure in her later years. Mm -hmm. So she does continue to inspire stories. She's a cornerstone in the comedy world. Yes, and meanwhile, Johnny Carson is a name I've heard, but I know almost nothing about. I'm imagining a man with white hair chain-smoking. Yeah, honestly, same. And it's sort of crazy because in comedy, Johnny Carson is considered like this deity. Mm. But I feel like me and you were children, right? We grew up watching Joan Rivers. I never really saw Johnny Carson. No, I literally, I'm not kidding you. I know the name, but... I'll be vulnerable and say that I really don't know much outside of the fact that he had a TV show. Johnny Carson was the host of The Tonight Show, if you are unaware. Oh. Well, we're going to have a lot of comedy bros coming for us. and and <laughs> Good. Johnny was responsible for giving Joan Rivers her big break. He let her guest host The Tonight Show when he was away. Joan and Johnny seemed to love one another on camera. And then suddenly, just like that, they never speak a word to one another ever again. And there's no, like, obvious fallout. No, there's some very specific reasons that we're going to get into. It is a TV feud that has run for more seasons than most shows you've seen. (laughs) This is Joan Rivers and Johnny Carson. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum Card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. 
We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, so Joan Rivers, for the completely unaware... She was this progressive 1960s comic. She talked about all types of stuff, her life in particular, with a lot of candor, a lot of candor, unlike a lot of other women in comedy at the time. Sex, having gay friends, divorces, cheating. In the 60s? Yeah, she was on the cutting edge. Next, you're going to tell me that she listened to jazz. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Can you believe it? Mm. She made her name as a writer and a stand-up by making fun of herself and also a lot of other women. She famously called Elizabeth Taylor fat a lot. What? What? (laughs) We have a few clips of hers that we can play just to give you a sense of her comedy. Amazing. Here she is on The Carol Burnett Show talking about being an educated woman. What good does education do you? You're a woman. Does it do you any good? Now that you're married, what good? I'm a philosophy major. What good does philosophy do me now? I can go to the butcher, prove the meat doesn't exist. What good? (laughs) And here she is talking about her friend Heidi on her special, Can We Talk? It was a gorgeous wedding. The only bad thing is the bride on the cake was bow-legged. But otherwise, oh, oh. This girl was a tramp. I mean, crazy glue could not keep her knees together. And she got, oh, a tramp! A tramp! Can I just say, it is wild to hear her voice minus 40 years of smoking. (laughs) Right, it's still got that quintessential Joan flavor, but it's just a little unseasoned. (laughs) Unseasoned. And here she is on The Tonight Show talking about this long black fur boa that she wore. It was Elizabeth Taylor's old belt, and it was meant to be... Oh, Oh, you see? Oh, and it's my fault! She's fat! It's amazing how quickly the crowd rejects what she's saying and then immediately switches it around to laugh with her. (laughs) At first they're like, oh, how could you? And then five seconds later, they're with her. Yeah, her style of delivery is so rapid fire that she's already moved on to like three follow-up jokes before you even have really processed the initial insult. Look, I know better than to get in an argument with a New York woman who is confident about what she's talking about. No, you do not want to end up on the opposite side. But yeah, so obviously, like, her comedy, not super feminist by today's standards, but these were sort of the jokes that made her uniquely suited to the boys' club of comedy. I was about to say, it makes sense that she was able to gain entrance in that way. Exactly. So on the other hand, we have Johnny Carson. And by 1965, he had sort of firmly established himself as the host of The Tonight Show. The Tonight Show was the sort of crown jewel of late night comedy television. He'd previously been a quiz show host on ABC and then became host of The Tonight Show. And it was this massive success. And he was known for snappy one-liners and sort of oddball bits. And most importantly, he was a career maker. Any comedian who wanted any kind of career had to be on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Ah. It attracted millions of viewers a night. That's where you went to establish yourself in comedy. Gatekeeper, kingmaker. Yes. Definitely never goes to anyone's head. No, of course not. (laughs) 
So Joan tried out for The Tonight Show seven times before she was finally allowed on the air. And even then, she wasn't introduced as a comedian. She was introduced as a female writer. (laughs) She was working as a writer on shows like Candid Camera, which I didn't even know was around that long. She was also doing stand-up in the city. She was an established comic, but for some reason she had to be introduced as a writer. Well, you don't want to scare people, man. They definitely did not. They they took all of these precautions. So rather than being on her own in front of a mic and doing a sort of traditional set, she sat down on these wooden stools with Johnny Carson and had this sort of humorous conversation. So she didn't get to perform, like, a set, even though it was still a kind of comedy bit. But it definitely had that air of the female comedian needs to be accompanied on stage by a man. A chaperone. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. But Joan makes the best of it. She gets huge laughs from the audience. It is a huge success. Here's one of Joan's jokes from that performance. She's talking about her recent marriage to her husband, Edgar. When we first started dating, Edgar would run around and open the car door for me. And then we got engaged and, you know, we each opened our own door. And now that we're married, Edgar run, you know, makes me run around and open his door. And uh, you feel like a fool because we don't have a car. <laughs> I mean, people loved her. She made a good impression. I feel like she thrives even more in a conversation. Like, they thought that they were cutting her off at the knees, and in fact, they were giving her even more power. Yeah. Because now she seems even more approachable and funny. They were creating a monster, Sydney, okay? Empowering women? A scary precedent to set. Truly. But Johnny Carson was so impressed that he invites her over to his desk to talk. And, you know, she gets that honor. Oh, she gets to move from the stools to the desk? Oh. (laughs) Yeah. It does feel particularly ridiculous when they're just moving from one seating arrangement to another. But yeah, she moves over and she really continues to impress with joke after joke. And Johnny Carson announces that Joan Rivers is going to be a star. The kingmaker has spoken. So from that point on, Joan Rivers really was a star. She continued to appear on The Tonight Show. She gets booked on a bunch of other TV shows and stage appearances. Throughout the 70s, she headlined at casinos in Vegas. She would share the bill a lot of times with some big names like Tony Bennett. Wow. By the 1980s, she was a frequent guest host on The Tonight Show. And so, you know, Johnny Carson, whenever he was out, Joan would step in as a guest host and she would bring in pretty big audiences. It's a pretty big honor. Yeah, and she would inspire a lot of comedians. Conan O'Brien talks about seeing her on The Tonight Show and what a huge moment that was. Here's a clip of that. When I was a kid and I would watch Johnny Carson, And Johnny Carson would occasionally take some time off and he'd have a substitute fill in. And Joan Rivers would fill in for Johnny Carson. And when she did, it was an event. Everybody in the country would talk about it the next day. I love Conan. And I'm now thinking about some jokes of his that I didn't like very much that we heard in the Paris Hilton episode. And I'm connecting the dots and I'm like, oh, those were a little Joan coded if I think about it. Like, so... Her being one of his inspirations is not actually a big surprise for me. Yeah, I mean, we can't delve into those Conan jokes here, but definitely go back and listen to the Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan episode if you want to hear them. But 
Yeah, she was hugely influential in the comedy community and definitely, like Conan says, this big draw in this big event. Problem is, Joan was still shut out of the boys' club. She would later say that off-air, Johnny Carson was really cold. They didn't really have much of a relationship. Even if on-air they seemed like good friends, it wasn't exactly what it seemed. And by 1986, she had been appearing on The Tonight Show for 21 years. But according to her, she was still being paid what she later called peon money. And she sort of hit this ceiling. She later wrote in her memoir that a friend got her the network's list of potential replacements for Johnny if he retired, and she wasn't on it. So she decides it's time to take off and do her own thing. I have my fingers crossed for her. She is approached by, we need evil music. We need some (laughs) dun-dun-duns because she is approached by Rupert Murdoch. Oh. I know, jump scare. I don't know if you knew he was coming into this. I didn't. Rupert Murdoch and Barry Diller have this upstart new network called Fox, and they offer Joan Rivers her own show in the same time slot as The Tonight Show. They give her basically everything she's got at The Tonight Show, plus a five-year guarantee, $15 million, which would be worth about $40 million today. Wow. Great deal. Would you take it? Would I take it? Yes. Well, Joan had your same thought. She accepts the deal, and it's an exciting moment. She is going to get her very own show. She has worked her butt off in Hollywood. And the problem is she is sort of torn because she wants to tell Johnny, but she's worried that if she tells him before the news is out, that it might hurt her career because Mm -hmm. what if NBC finds out and... Oh yeah, you got to wait till that ink is dry. Exactly. Not just that, but like there was this other comedian, David Brenner, who apparently told Johnny that he was getting his own show and NBC like kicked him off the air. Mm. So she decides not to say anything until she's ready to leave for Fox. Smart. Right. And when that day comes and she makes what only she assumes will be her last appearance on The Tonight Show, she decides that she's going to recreate her very first appearance. She wears like very similar outfit. This is the one where she sits on the stools and Johnny calls her a star. And she presents him with her book that she's written, which is dedicated to him. As you know, I think it's always a mistake to publicly thank a man, but okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So here's her last appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Again, Johnny doesn't know that it's her last, and Joan is just assuming that NBC isn't going to keep having her on when she has her own show on Fox. Look at the dedication of the book. I know, it's very sweet of you. Yeah. It was very sweet of you. It's, you about you didn't have to do that. It's two. Says, uh... You touch, you touch your baby, and then you have a dedication. Can I read it? Sure. Says to Edgar, your husband. Yeah, I have to do that. Who made this book happen. (laughs) Who made this book happen, and to Johnny Carson, who made it all happen. Well, that's very sweet of you. That's right. Clearly, this is a very special moment for Joan. She's attributing her career to him, and, you know, he made it all happen. But Johnny thanks her, apparently unaware that she is about to start her own show, and become his late-night competitor. This is not gonna go well.
This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. All right, so Joan Rivers is about to exit The Tonight Show after 21 years. She's headed to the newly minted Fox network to do her own thing, but she can't tell The Tonight Show host, Johnny Carson, because she's afraid that she's going to spoil the deal, potentially spoil her career. So it's all hanging in the balance. Are you titillated? Are you sitting on the edge of your seat? I'm nervous, Matthew. Well, you have good reason to be nervous because somehow, we're not sure how, Johnny Carson hears about Joan's new show before she can tell him. Mm. You know what? I would not be surprised if Joan had made some enemies over the years and um, those little birds went right over to Johnny Carson. Interesting. You think that there is a secret whisper network that is out to kind of tank Joan Rivers' career. (laughs) Who holds more irrational grudges than actors and comedians? Please, writers too. Yeah. Those three groups, I'm thinking somebody tattled. So shortly after her last appearance on The Tonight Show, Joan calls up Johnny to break the news about her new show and to thank him for all of his support. And she's perhaps unaware that he already knows. So she gets him on the line. She tries to tell him the news. And immediately she hears the receiver slam down on the other end. And Johnny never speaks to her again. Male fragility. Oh my God. Get a grip. This is a sort of sticking point of this feud. There are different takes on what exactly the timeline is here and who called who, when, whether the call was made in the first place. Oh. So from Joan's perspective, she called as soon as she could, as soon as she felt comfortable that she could make the call and it wouldn't jeopardize anything. From Johnny's point of view, she didn't get his blessing (sighs) as this person who sort of made her career. 
She just called to do damage control once the news was already out. What is he, her guardian? You don't own her. Blessing? Yeah, and another point of contention is that Johnny says that Joan Rivers and her team were trying to poach one of his producers, this guy named Peter LaSalle, which they do deny. But that's another thing where it's like, okay, not only are you going to make your own show, but you're potentially trying to bring people from The Tonight Show with you. That makes it a little messier. Yeah, but they deny it, to be fair. Word gets out about Joan's departure from The Tonight Show and Johnny's unhappiness with it. And the media latches onto it and makes this kind of already tense situation even worse. So Joan is featured on the cover of People magazine with this splashy headline. Sydney, do you want to describe this cover of People magazine? The headline is, Joan Rivers goes to war. She's smiling. She has her hands on her temples, sort of as if she's like, this is driving me crazy. (laughs) But she's smiling about it. Yeah. It is strange that the expression on her face, the gesture of her hands and her hair, and the headline are telling three different stories. (laughs) (laughs) Goes to war is in all caps, too. So Joan goes on this press tour where she's promoting her new show. She goes on like half a dozen talk shows, including the new-ish Late Night with David Letterman. And she now has to address this feud. Like she can't just promote her new show. She's now talking about this beef with Johnny Carson and the fallout. And she's trying to, you know, profess her innocence while also promoting her new show. And it's sad, you know, like Mm. what should be this triumphant moment ends up getting turned into this really dramatic one that she has to apologize for. Isn't that what being a woman is all about? Apologizing for your own success. Luckily, she has other talk show hosts like Letterman and Phil Donahue. They take her side. But audiences during these appearances, they do seem to sort of oscillate between booing her and cheering her on. (laughs) Booing her? You have to understand, important context, Johnny Carson was, like, beloved. Audiences loved and adored him so much. (sighs) He was, like, the person that was on their TV every night. And here is the impression that this woman is coming in and upsetting their guy. Okay, I'm understanding. Here is a clip of her on the Phil Donahue show that kind of shows what people thought of this situation at the time. The first voice that you hear is someone calling in with a question for Joan that isn't actually a question. I think the primary issue is not whether or not she should have her own show, but exactly how she went about it. This is what, in the press anyway, Johnny Carson seems to object to, that she didn't talk to Johnny about it at all or go to him and and, and ask him what he thought of the idea. That after all he did for her, you know, she just went out and took the contract that was offered. I think it's very well put. I'll just say very quickly that when David Brenner told him he was going to have his own show, he's never on the Carson show again, as of that moment. Um, I didn't want to tell Johnny anything until it was signed, because if things are not signed in our business, they go away very fast. The minute my contract was signed, which was on Monday, I called him Monday night to tell him. I don't know how much faster he can do it. And when I couldn't reach him Monday night, I would not go out to the press conference until I did call him. And I called him Tuesday morning again, and he hung up on me. And I think um, I think I did everything right. <laughs> like, literally, she can't just be like, oh, well, he's psycho. So that's why I couldn't tell him. 
you can tell she was loyal to Johnny for almost two decades. And now here's this moment for her to, you know, take a chance and advance her own career. And now it's turned into this moment of her being like a traitor. The public perception is that she did something wrong to Johnny. All told, we don't really know why exactly Johnny got so mad at Joan Rivers. There's some theories. He had three failed marriages and a strained relationship with his own kids. So Mm -hmm. some people are like, Joan was the only woman that he really trusted and she broke that trust. Oh God, that's not on her though. That's on him having a dysfunctional life. Yeah, there's this documentarian, uh, Peter Jones, who later said, Joan Rivers broke Johnny's heart in a way I don't think even any of the failed marriages did, because this was someone he genuinely appreciated as a funny person, but also really liked. He felt so betrayed and brokenhearted. I was about to say, is it because this is the only woman that he's ever kind of respected? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But regardless of the reason for his anger, Johnny has Joan blacklisted from The Tonight Show. And there's this narrative that audiences sort of latch onto that she has stabbed America's favorite host in the back. And if she's going to have a career after this, she basically needs this show at Fox to work out. God, what a tough spot to be in. So on October 9th, 1986, The Late Show with Joan Rivers debuts on Fox. It's literally the program that starts the Fox network. Whoa. Yeah. Joan's monologue on the very first episode are some of the first words ever uttered on Fox. Here's a clip of that. The audio is a bit rough. I have a whole monologue which you won't do tonight. I am just... It's been five months and so much has been said and I am just so, so happy to be here and I thank you all so much. I think she's holding back. Yeah. Ultimately, the Fox Network, it's just too new. The show can't really compete with The Tonight Show. And according to Joan, there was just other issues beyond the ratings. She said, The Fox show, even before we were on air, was just a nightmare. Her husband, Edgar Rosenberg, was a producer on the show, and he just always clashed with Rupert Murdoch and Barry Diller, the the Fox co-founders. Oh, my God. And the prophecy is coming true. The two men she thanked in her book ending up being like the cruxes for her. Oh, Joan. So Joan accuses Johnny Carson of making it so that nobody took her seriously. She gave this quote to The Hollywood Reporter, if you'll read it. Looking back, and I never like to say it, the Carson breakup hurt me a lot without realizing it. Even now, when I say, no, this is wrong, people say, see, she is a bitch. If I were a man, they'd say, so brilliant. He's tough, but he's right. Nobody ever says to me, you're right. Maybe that's why she started to be more brazen and even more unapologetic about what she said. Yeah, she had to walk around with such an armor because of all of this crap that she went through. Mm Mm-hmm. It really affects her career, even outside of her TV show. Theaters, casinos, everywhere, people are now questioning her judgment. God, the men in the story. Back at the show, Joan refuses to fire her husband. She just can't do it. So Barry Diller and Rupert Murdoch, they just can't tolerate Edgar's interference anymore. And they end up firing Joan only seven months into her tenure. 
It's unclear what happened with her five-year contract. All we know is that Joan said that her lawyers didn't want her to comment. However, she was $37 million in debt around this time. So it seems like if she got any payout, it went towards her debts. Edgar was her business manager. And by her own admission, he wasn't really good with money. Oh, God. This is like worst case scenario in every part of the situation. Yeah. Also, why is Edgar in charge of the money if he's not good with money? Oh, no. It's about to get worse. How do you even get $37 million in debt? I don't even know how that happens. So she's lost her show, and soon she's about to lose even more because Edgar never really seems to recover from the loss of the show. And he either blames himself or just feels a ton of anger at Barry Diller and Fox, and he can't get over it. Joan separates from him, begs him to get help, but ultimately he dies by suicide. Oh no. I bet the guilt was eating him alive. It seemed like he had his own demons that he was dealing with. She later talks about this moment with the Daily Beast, and she starts off talking about her daughter, Melissa. Melissa wasn't talking to me. My career was in the toilet. I'd lost my Vegas contracts. I'd been fired from Fox. Carson and NBC had put out such bad publicity about me. I was a pariah. I wasn't invited anywhere. I was a non-person. At one point, I thought, what's the point? This is stupid. That's so much. Oh, God. At this point, she herself considers suicide, and she tells the Daily Beast that there was this really dark moment where she was kind of prepared to go through with it, and she stops because her dog came over and sat on the gun that she was going to use, and she took this as a sign, and she later says this quote, if you'll read it. I lecture on suicide because things turn around. I tell people this is a horrible, awful, dark moment, but it will change, and you must know it's going to change, and you push forward. I look back and think, life is great. Life goes on. It changes. That is... That's so heavy. Meanwhile, Johnny Carson is doing nothing to console her. He is stewing in his own little pettiness. When he hears that her show is canceled, he tells the New York Times, I had no comment when she went on the air, and I have no comment now that she's leaving. Oh, you didn't? (laughs) Oh, okay. All because she dared to have her own show, and she pissed off the king of late night. She lost everything. And... God forbid. Johnny is going to keep hosting his own show for years after this. But Joan has had to put up with adversity her whole career, and she's not going to stay down for long. So I'm a father of one. I got to find a babysitter. I found Care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your child care necessities, check out Care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your child care needs. A 
All right. So Joan Rivers is really at the lowest point in her career. She's lost her TV show, her husband, her reputation. She's really at this incredible low point in her career. A couple years go by, though, and she manages to overcome the rumors that she's difficult to work with. Hey. She has a a phoenix rising from the ashes moment, and she gets the Joan Rivers show, a syndicated talk show. It's a daytime show, so maybe not as sexy for the comic (laughs) in her as the late night Fox show, but it's a success. She wins a daytime Emmy for it. Hey, and I bet there was like a space to be filled because as you said, that's not really a comedian's beat. So she cornered that market. Right. She gives this really emotional acceptance speech at the Daytime Emmy Awards. We could play a little bit from that. Two years ago, I couldn't get a job in this business. I could not get a job. My income dropped to one sixteenth of what it was before I was fired. And people said I wouldn't work again. And my husband, as you know, had a... Breakdown. It's, it's so sad that he's not here because it was my husband, Edgar Rosenberg, who always said, you can turn things around. And except for one terrible moment in a hotel in Philadelphia when he forgot that, this is really him because he was with me from the beginning. And I'm so sorry. That I don't know. Oh, oh, no. Saddest clip we've ever played. I wonder if because she was in such a low place and she had to work so hard to get back, to actually having a career if she didn't even allow herself to feel everything until she reached that point. Yeah. I mean, it's this bittersweet moment, right? Mm -hmm. Because like here she is winning this award and having this triumphant moment that she didn't expect to have, but it comes on the heels of all of this tragedy in her life. Mm -hmm. It's also wild. I mean, this is the point of this entire episode, but wild that the subtext of all of that is that like this is all because of some dick who, like, just wouldn't support her career move and it, like, ruined everything for her. One man has the capacity to ruin so many lives. Truly. With, you know, the smallest amount of effort and it never fails to amaze me. Yeah. Well, the wins keep stacking up for Joan because in 1992, Johnny Carson finally leaves The Tonight Show after nearly 30 years. Good. Get him out of there. By retiring, Johnny Carson was about to vacate the most sought-after desk in television. And according to Joan, before she left, she got a look at the list of potential replacements. I'll just let you guess what all of the potential replacements have in common. Um, I'm going to guess that they're all men. (laughs) You got it. They're all men. Woo! So this moment, of course, would lead to another famous late night war, the one between Jay Leno and David Letterman. Jay gets the job. David Letterman ends up leaving NBC, just as Joan did years before. But Joan, she stays classy. She says that even if Johnny doesn't like her, She likes him, and she'll always be grateful for what he did for her career. She's stronger than me. I'll say that. (laughs) Joan is still blacklisted. She uh, is still not allowed on The Tonight Show. What? Jay Leno maintains the ban on her. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm trying not to be mad at him because he does a lot of things that are good, but my God... Well, Joan doesn't let him get away with it. She does insult Jay Leno every chance that she gets. 
<laughs> Here's a clip of her talking about Jay Leno. Leno is, I'm Leno and you're not. And I, I never watch him because of that. It's an arrogance. So the feud now spreads to include this third person, Jay Leno. Over the next 12 years, Jay makes The Tonight Show his own. Joan keeps growing her own career. Johnny, meanwhile, largely retires from show business. But the feud triangle doesn't really last for long because in January 2005, Johnny Carson dies at the age of 79. So now there's no chance for Joan and Johnny to talk things out. Would there have been? Probably not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jay, though, takes up the ghost of Johnny Carson's grudge. (laughs) He tells Access Hollywood... I didn't want to have Joan on The Tonight Show while Johnny was alive out of respect for Johnny. I don't think he wanted to see her on the show, and that's why we didn't do it. Ugh. Wild. He maintains this ban, even though Johnny never asked him to do it. Oh my God. This is just exactly what you said, a boys club. Mm -hmm. The logic, nonsensical. The feelings, suppressed. The vibes, off. I don't like it. Yeah, it feels very, like, godfathery. Like, what do you think Johnny Carson's going to do? What do you think his wrinkly 70-year-old retired ass is going to do? Yeah, this is not your beef. Why are you doing this? Hasn't this woman been through enough? Joan seems to get her revenge by just being on TV as much as possible. She stars in a bunch of different shows. The Fashion Police, In Bed with Joan, Joan and Melissa, Joan Knows Best. And for a while, I mean, she was just like the queen of red carpets and red carpet fashion. There was, I would say, rarely an award show that she didn't critique. But her first really big victory came in 2014 when Jimmy Fallon took over The Tonight Show. And in his very first episode, he does this bit where he mentions this friend that he has who thought that he would never host The Tonight Show. And he says, well, now, you know, that friend owes him $100. And suddenly, Joan Rivers emerges from behind the curtains, slaps 100 down on Jimmy's desk, kisses him, and walks off without saying a word. It's this kind of funny moment, but it's this moment where the supposed ban on Joan Rivers at The Tonight Show is lifted after 28 years. It takes Jimmy Fallon to get Joan Rivers back on The Tonight Show. Wow. She returns a few months later as a full-blown guest, and she kills it. I'd expect nothing less. Johnny Carson was rolling over in his grave. So while it is this really significant moment for Joan to finally return to The Tonight Show, have this really great moment, she still never got to really have it out with Johnny. She missed that moment for closure. But she gets the next best thing, I suppose. And we get to see this in a season three episode of her show, Joan and Melissa, where Joan goes and visits Johnny Carson's grave. And the plan for this moment was for Joan to kind of go in and tell him off. But instead, she gets sad and she sits next to his headstone. And here is what she says. If I hurt you, I'm sorry. And you hurt me too. And wherever you are, I I really miss you. And I thank you. And I hope you rest in peace. 
son of a bitch. God. Uh, I do think she got closure from that. It seems like she's kind of accepting that she was never going to get it from him when he was alive. I mean, yeah, it's this really profound moment where, like, clearly you can tell he meant so much to her. You do have to admit she owes her career to him, but it's also hard to divorce that from the fact that he also, you know, tanked her career and he made it and broke it. Not only that, but it was a friendship breakup. They knew each other for decades. And to have someone so close to you destroy you in that way, that had to be immensely painful. Right. And we can hear that in her voice. Yeah, for them to, like, have this breakup that they were just never able to reconcile, it's it's sad. I can't believe it's been almost a decade since we lost Joan Rivers. Yeah, truly. And I don't know if it's just an age thing or what, but it does feel like Joan Rivers is the bigger celebrity to me than, like, Johnny Carson ever was. In my mind, absolutely. Yeah, it's just incredible. Like, she was up against the odds, like, every step of the way. She was kind of going to be screwed no matter what. No, I think she made the best of an impossible situation. Also worth noting that she died the same year that the ban from The Tonight Show was broken. Part of me wonders if she was fueled by spite, like that kept her going a lot of years. Yeah. And then once she finally got that satiated, she was like, well, I can leave now. It's very like Galadriel from Lord of the Rings. She's like, I passed the test. I can I can go now into the West. To the undying lands. Mm-hmm. It does explain so much about her, like, personality, though. It's like, of course, you have to develop a thick skin when you're up against these insurmountable odds. Can you imagine? You're going to end up being, like, an angry old broad. Absolutely. The lesson I'm going to take from this is to always hold a little bit of rage in my heart. Because then I will live to be, like, 150. Never a shortage of rage. (laughs) Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Dis and Tell ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. This is Joan Rivers and Johnny Carson. The show is hosted by me, Matt Belisai. And me, Sydney Battle. We use many sources in our research. A few that were especially helpful were Late Night Wars, Joan Rivers versus Johnny Carson by Fanboy Films, and the documentary, Joan Rivers, A Piece of Work. Greg Castro wrote this episode. Kate Downey is our lead producer. Yasmin Ward is our producer, and Jake Dvorsky is our associate producer. Our story editors are Alex Burns and Greg Castro. Peter Johansson is our senior producer. Sound design is by James Morgan with additional audio assistance provided by Adrian Tapia. Audio editing by Steve Maser. Fact-checking by Sonia Maynard. Our music supervisor is Scott Velasquez for Freeson Sync. Ryan Lore is our senior managing producer. Sophia Martins and Sarah Kenny Corrigan are our coordinating producers. Our executive producers are Janine Cornelo, Stephanie Jens, and Marshall Louie for Wondery. Wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! 
The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice. Only on Freebie.